Did you know that killing raccoons is illegal in Toronto? Raccoons. Killing them. It's against the law. Raccoons. I'm sorry, I'm not advocating the killing of innocent animals, but really, it's illegal. A few weeks ago, I heard about a man being charged for shooting his dog. Apparently, his dog was sick. He lives in a farm. It's too expensive to get to the vet to do it, so he shot it. One shot. Done. He was charged. Cruelty to animals. And now, someone was charged for killing raccoons or trying to kill them with a shovel in his backyard. So, let me get this straight. It's against the law to kill a raccoon with a shovel, but it's perfectly legal to walk into an abortion facility and kill a human fetus. And it's free. Our tax dollars pay for it. Surely, even people who don't think that a fetus is a human being would agree that a fetus is at least, at least as valuable a life as that of a raccoon. Surely. What is this world coming to? Save the whales? Save the dolphins, save the puppies and the baby seals, save the raccoons, fund the abortions. Why is this not an election issue? If my tax dollars are being used to pay for abortions with no restrictions, while my grandma has to wait six months to have knee surgery, I also want my tax dollars to go to the humane killing of raccoons so that my neighbor doesn't have to do it with a shovel. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and here with me is Chris Dimitrinko. We have a great show today. As usual, Lawrence is going to be here with our Saint of the Week, Jenna with our Diocesan Update, and Mark Matthews, whom you uh, know very well, is mm-hmm. our, our Hollywood undercover missionary. He's going to be here also to tell us something good that's happening in Hollywood. Um, but as always, we begin with the news. So what do we uh, look forward to uh, here in the news segment? Well, the Pope just got back from his 19th international wow. papal visit. Yeah. Hard to believe that we're up to 19 yes. now. And so we'll be doing a little bit of a recap about that because a lot of significant things happened, although it didn't make very much news. Okay, so so those details are coming up very, very soon. Um, and as you know, Chris, because we've been speaking about this, um, the province of Quebec has banned religion in all publicly funded daycares. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be speaking with a Salesian sister, Sister Francine Gilmet. The Salesians in Montreal, uh, they run two daycares. Um, so Sister Francine is going to tell us how, about how this is affecting them. Um, and that's going to be in the second half uh, of our program. And also today, I want you to meet a new up-and-coming group. They're a Christian band. Uh, if you like indie music, uh, it's called City of Snow. It's a new band from the Southern Ontario area. They're our featured group of the week, and here, here they are now with their song, Red Brick Road. I know this place better than anyone Every broken nail splintered post We hide from the sun through the cracks in the roof. I've been living here longer than most And all the lost boys wake up at twilight 
talking to each other in strange slurred code I've been trying to find what's wrong and what's right But I can't even find the red brick road We never listen, we never City of Snow with their song, Red Brick Road. We're going to be speaking with uh, one of the members of City of Snow in the second half of our program. And in about 15 minutes, what's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews? But first, details of the Holy Father's trip to Croatia. Yes, Pedro, he just returned from a two-day trip. He stayed in the capital of Zagreb for the whole trip. Now, the main purpose was to celebrate the country's first annual National Day for Croatian Catholic families. Now, Croatia is also slated to join the European Union in 2013. The public approval ratings for Croatia is down um, for them to join the, uh-huh. the European Union. It's, it's still controversial in Croatia, but this provided a lot of subtext for the trip. And even on the flight to Croatia, uh, he, Pope Benedict was asked about this. He has an in-flight uh, press conference where he answers a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. And he said that he thought most Croatians view this moment as one of great joy. He says that Croats are a profoundly European people and that joining the European for them is logical, right, and necessary. And the mm-hmm. Pope thinks that Croatia, being a very Catholic country, 90% Catholic, um, and, and still uh, much more practicing than many other Catholic countries, has a lot to contribute to the EU. Um, also on Saturday, 
uh, the Pope met with the country's civil representatives. That was actually his first uh, first public event uh, that uh, that was held, the first televised event after the welcoming ceremony. There he spoke about conscience in the context of the future of Europe. And the Pope said that conscience is the bulwark against all forms of tyranny and that the future of Europe depends on it. The future of Europe depends on conscience. Now, day one closed with a prayer vigil with the Croatian youth, and over 40,000 young people gathered in the Banjelicic Square. Now, the director of the Vatican Press Office spoke about this uh, in a news conference on the next day. He said that the Pope was especially impressed by the reverence of the young people at this prayer vigil. And during a moment of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament, uh, the Pope and all these young people adoring Jesus in the Eucharist, you could even hear the birds chirping. It was, it was that quiet. It was a profoundly reverent experience. Now, on Sunday, uh, Pope Benedict celebrated the big event of the trip, and that was Holy Mass in honor of the National Day for Croatian Catholic families. Right. And over 400,000 people were in attendance, including many from the surrounding countries, Bosnia and Herzegovina, yes. Slovenia, Serbia. And in his homily, the Holy Father encouraged families to be like little upper rooms, like the upper room of the apostles in Jerusalem, a really nice image. Uh, like the apostles, they should live in unity, communion, and prayer. This is what families should be experiencing. He also said that families should be like small churches, and that ecclesial communities should be like families. And that hmm. kind of got me thinking, you know, is, is your family, is it like a small church? And also is your church, is your church like a family? Interesting, yes. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting challenge. Mm -hmm. Now his last event of the trip was a liturgy of Vespers with bishops, priests, seminarians, and religious of Croatia. And there he prayed at the tomb of Blessed Cardinal Aloysius Stepinitz. Blessed Stepinitz died under house arrest. Uh, he had resisted communist efforts to establish a national church that was severed from Rome, and he's considered a martyr for, uh, yeah. for his resistance and for his long imprisonment. Uh, in his homily, in the Pope's homily, he quoted Blessed Stepinitz, saying that mediocrity is the greatest evil of our time. Mm -hmm. Mediocrity is the greatest evil of our time. Hmm. Now, after the homily, the congregation gave the Pope a standing ovation lasting several minutes, really one of the longest of recent memories, the, the Croatian uh, bishops, priests, seminarians, and religious, really showing how thankful and how grateful they were that Pope Benedict was coming to Croatia. And really, popes have given uh, Croatia a lot of attention. Uh, John Paul II came three times, 94, 98, 2003, and now again in 2011. And for such a small country, mm -hmm. that's a lot of papal visits. Mm -hmm. Now, all told, the trip went very, went very well. Crowds were large. The reception was very positive. The only problem, a severe thunderstorm canceled the farewell ceremony from the airport. Yes. The Pope had to wait for the storm to end, but he made it back to Rome safely. Yeah, well, very good. Thank you very much. That comment about being like a little upper room for me was, I actually have it saved. Uh, it's a very, that, for me, that was, that's all I needed hmm. to live in unity, communion, and prayer. Like, anyway, thank you, Chris, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. Let us know what you think about what you hear on this program. 
send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Jenna Murphy with an update from PEI. But before that... Our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hi, Pedro. So... So this week, uh, I'm going to look at St. Anthony of Padua. Ah, St. Anthony. He's one of my favorites. There you go. He's a big a big Catholic saint. Yes. Uh, doctor of the Church, and his feast is uh, Monday, June 13th. Yep. So he was born in 1195 in Lisbon, Portugal. His father was a captain in the Royal Army, and from a young age, he dedicated himself to study in an Augustan monastery. Okay. So in 1206, uh, St. Francis founded the Franciscans, so St. Anthony was 11 at this time. And around the same time, Anthony entered a monastery, an August- Augustinian monastery um, near Lisbon. Okay, when he was 11 or around Not when he was time. 11, but... Around that time. Yeah, around that time. Okay. Uh, I think he was about 16. Okay. And then in 12, 1219, uh, some Franciscans were sent... Um, actually, some Franciscans came around the time that uh, Anthony was in the monastery... Okay. They came begging at the the doors of the monastery. Right. So this was his first experience, experience of the, of the San Franciscans. Franciscans. Okay. And then uh, in 1219, a few years later, they were sent from there uh, across the Mediterranean to Morocco as missionaries, but they were brutally uh, martyred, and some of the local Moroccan Christians recovered their relics and then sent them back to Portugal. And so these relics, um, St. Bernard and his other Franciscan companions, inspired St. Anthony, so much so that he wanted to suffer martyrdom, as they did. Okay. So he decided that same year to leave this Augustinian um, monastery that he was in. Yeah. He joined the Franciscans, and then he was sent to Africa. Hmm. So exactly what he wanted happened. Right. Uh, He became a Franciscan and was sent to Africa as a missionary, hoping to be martyred. Uh, However, when he was... When he arrived in Africa, um, shortly after arriving, he became seriously ill and was sent back to Portugal. So on his way back to Portugal, there was a storm and they ended up having to go to Sicily. Okay. So he ended up in Sicily. Yeah. Went from Portugal to Africa to Sicily. And then from there, he was uh, assigned to Assisi. So he didn't end up going back to Portugal. Hmm. So uh, it was there uh, that um, he became assigned to be the chaplain of a hermit of hermitage to some of the hermits. He wasn't very popular. He wasn't like people didn't really think much of him when he arrived. He was still kind of sickly looking from his illness in Africa. Right. So they just kind of assigned him to this, this hermitage. But then it was one day there was an ordination in a nearby town. St. Anthony and the hermits were invited. They went, but the priest who was to give the homily for the ordination was sick. So the local superior asked all the hermits one by one if they would give the homily, but they all humbly refused and <laughs> said, yeah. you know, I was not prepared. So then the spirit comes to St. Anthony, asks St. Anthony. He also humbly refuses, um, saying that he's not prepared. I don't know how much of this they were just like, they just yeah. want to look like fools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, the, the superior finally was fed up. He said, all right, St. Anthony, you are going to preach, and you're going to do it out of obedience. So he, he did. Um, and so he, he began to preach, and he was kind of reserved and a little bit quiet. But then like, he finally became like, seized, I guess, by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Anyways, 
uh, he apparently gave like the most eloquent, intellectual, learned homily that they ever ever heard, and so everyone's blown away. Right. Um, Saint Francis, still alive at this time. Okay. The founder of the Franciscans found out about the homily and gave Saint Anthony the mission to preach throughout Italy, uh, and then teach theology. Hmm. So he went. So Saint Anthony went around Italy preaching and teaching. Um, so often preaching outside because there wasn't enough room in churches to to house everyone. Um, and it was also said that his preaching converted many hardened sinners and heretics. Hmm. So you often see uh, St. Anthony holding a baby in pictures. Right. It's and true. that's because one time he was in a man's house staying there and the man went into his bedroom and found him huh. holding a baby Jesus, like covered in light, surrounded by light. Right. So it was like, it was a vision. And so from then on, he's been portrayed as always holding yeah, baby yeah. Jesus. Mm. And so he died in 1231 at the age of 36. Wow. And was canonized less than a year later by Pope Gregory the Ninth. So that's, wow. We think that John Paul II is going quickly. Like yeah. St. Anthony was less that's than a year. He was a saint. Interesting. So as we know, he's the patron saint of a lot of things. Lost articles and seekers of, of um, lost articles. Yeah. Among so many, many. Yeah, yeah, a ton of things. Anyway, thank you very much. So that's St. Anthony of Padua, patron saint of lost articles. He's a good one to pray to when you can't find your keys. Uh, feast day coming up Monday, June 13th. Thank you, Lawrence. Lawrence Fluco, our saint expert. He's going to come back in a little bit to tell us about our TV uh, programming highlights. So don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Serena Payton, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can download our podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and also off iTunes. Now it's time for our diocesan update. Here now is Jenna. Hello, Pedro. Usually I'm running out of breath with a lot of things to tell you about, but we're going to keep it simple this week. Okay. We're just going to visit one diocese in particular. But first, every year around this time, families are looking for unique ways to spend time together in the summer at the same time vacation. Yeah. Well, there's one opportunity in particular that covers, covers all of these bases, and uh-huh. it's something that includes family vacation, Catholic formation, retreat time, and camping all rolled into one. Okay. So together time. So what Sounds is it? good, yeah. I know. Look no further than the Holy Family Ministries in Prince Edward Island near Richmond, PEI, on the West Coast. Earlier this on week... On the East Coast. The West Coast of Prince Edward oh, Island. Oh, the West Coast? <laughs> yes! <laughs> a coast of its own. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so earlier this week, I had the chance to speak with Matthew Brown. Matthew is one of the lay organizers of Holy Family Ministries. Matthew, thanks for joining us today. Well, greetings from Prince Edward Island. Very good. So can you tell us a little bit about Holy Family Ministries? How did it start, and what was the idea behind the whole thing? Well, a number of families... Uh, and, and a local priest got together at a at a local church camp for uh, just some time to commune, I guess you would say. And it was a, a, a beautiful time. We had sacraments and, uh, you know, pretty music and all of those things. And it was great, and we were all very happy to be there. And we recognized how easy it is, I guess, to to be families with other like-minded Catholic uh, mm-hmm. Christian families. So you're opening your doors, so to speak, for, of your little family community to other people who'd like to come in and experience this. That's correct. Oh, okay. the, the objective is, and as we discern God's call for, for our lives and for this ministry, we said, like I say, it was, it's easy to, to get together. This is 
more challenging, but I think the the Holy Spirit is guiding us in that direction to to try to demonstrate the beauty and the uh, the fullness of sacramental marriage and and Catholic family life. What does a typical day at, at the camp look like with the families? Well, we'll have mass. Uh, like on a typical day, we'll get up and have breakfast and then uh, mass and, and spend about an hour and a half after mass between, say, uh, 10.30 and 12 noon. We'll have teachings, so teachings for the different age groups of children mm-hmm. and also teachings for the adults, 20-minute sessions or 25 minutes. And then also we'll have a lay couple uh, do a presentation on a particular topic. So what, are you, what is your hope that what families can expect from this experience with you? Uh, well, the, the hope is that families will, A, uh, meet other families and, and be able to build community, but also, like, we're not naive, there's no magic, but that families will see that the struggles or the challenges they're facing themselves, as well as the, the uh, beauty of family, is other people's experience as well. Excellent. And we have the typical camp things as well, like a campfire or, you know, uh, barbecue and those kinds of things. Right. Soccer games. and. uh, And Of course, Matthew, if anyone wants to learn more about this ministry, they can visit your website. They can visit our website, and there is an email address on there for more information, and we try to establish, uh, you know, dialogue with whomever would uh, follow up on that email. Excellent. And that's hfmpei.com. Correct. Right on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it is indeed my pleasure, and I invite your listeners to come and join us. Thank you, Matthew. God bless you. That was Matthew Brown with Holy Family Ministries in Prince Edward Island. But if PEI isn't realistic for you, other dioceses can offer similar opportunities for families. So make sure you check out your diocese website for more information. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jenna Murphy, with an excellent update from PEI that apparently also has a West Coast. Don't be confused there. Um, Thank you, Jenna. Coming up is Mark Matthews with What's Good About Hollywood, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook and on Twitter. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for... Undercover Missionary, your source for everything Catholic in Hollywood with Mark Matthews. Mark, what's good? Hello, Pedro. What's good in Hollywood this week? Well, it just so happens that Hollywood is next door neighbors to the pornography industry. Okay, that's not good. Yeah, no, it's actually not good. Unfortunately, uh, I do not bear you good news this week, but by shedding a light on it, I hope that we can bring good from it. Okay. so a lot of people know that mainstream films are produced in Hollywood and, and uh, you know, neighboring a- neighborhoods like Burbank. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that we are next-door neighbors to the San Fernando Valley, which happens to be the porn production capital of the world. Hmm. Now, if you look at the stats on the porn industry, in particular what's produced here in the San Fernando Valley, it's staggering. Um, the revenues for the porn industry... Um, are projected anywhere between five to fifteen million dollars, um, and 
to put that number in perspective, that is more than the revenues of the three major networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. Wow. And that's just, yeah, that's just like a, you're kidding me. No, it can't be that big. Um, but it really is. And, and the numbers are just really uh, depressing. You know, they, they produce something like 11,000 movies a year, um, and something between 50% of men and 20% of women uh, pornography usage becomes compulsive. Yeah, and I've something also, that they can't stop. I've also heard that it, they say that about fifty percent of divorces indicate that pornography was a factor in the exactly. Marriage. Okay, so Mark, yeah, it, this is this is this is not good, and it's actually quite depressing. So, what is there anything that people like me can do about it? Yes. So, um, so scripture says that sin flourishes in the darkness and it hates the light. So. Uh, it's no surprise that the porn industry keeps a very low profile and that nobody talks about this. Yeah. So the number one thing we can do is shine a light on it. So I'm doing that today just by letting you know about how big this industry is. Yes. Um, and even, you know, I've talked to a lot of priests, and they're saying this is becoming the number one pastoral issue of our age. So this is an endemic problem. Um, but more importantly is shine a light at a personal level. Um, and you can do that. Uh, or, like, think think about the the numbers that I just gave. That works out to uh, fifty dollars a year per person is spent on porn. Uh-huh. Um, now I realize not everyone is spending that money, but just that means that a lot of people are spending money on porn. So um, the cure to this, uh, if you'll find out in any goods men's group, I like groups like the Kingsmen or Covenant Keepers, is to talk about it. And if anything, the stats indicate that, hey, this is something that a lot of people share in common. So don't be ashamed of it. Sin flourishes in darkness. So if, you're, if you uh, talk about it, uh, encourage men who might be struggling with uh, pornography exactly. addiction to talk about it as well. Exactly, yeah. And there's a whole bunch of good resources on that. So. Yeah, so... Uh, just br- briefly, as w- as we end up, is there any sign of this trend changing, or are we stuck with this? Uh, if anything, I think uh, this is a trend that is only going to get worse. Um, there's no arguing that uh, mainstream films are not becoming more like softcore pornography with every year. Um, but what's worrying, too, is on the other side, we also see pornography films becoming more mainstream. Um, there have been some films that the porn industry has produced that have budgets of one to two million dollars, complete with visual effects and everything. And they have a very clever marketing scheme. They have the triple X version, but they also come up with an edited R-rated version so that they can appeal to a wider audience and then hopefully lure them into the triple X version. Right. So that, that's another really disturbing trend that I'm seeing that, it, that I think is, does not bode well. So this is going to be with us for a while. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I guess Mark for uh, for no for 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 challenging us and for giving us something concrete that we can do. Shine a light on the darkness. Talk about it. Let people know. Don't ignore it. So that's it's not good news, but it is good news because there's something that we can do about it. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, Pedro. So there you have it. What's good about Hollywood and what's not so good about the San Fernando Valley, with Mark Matthews. <laughs> our undercover Hollywood missionary. He joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can read our amazing blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now back with us is Lawrence with our programming highlights. Hey, Pedro. 
So we have a new witness with Archbishop Thomas Collins this Sunday, tomorrow, June okay. 12th, and also Thursday, June 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Uh, in this, uh, this episode uh, is our second witness with Archbishop Collins. He discusses specifically Lexio Divina, which right. is a series he does. Exactly, and our listeners will be familiar with that. Archbishop Collins of Toronto does a monthly Lexio Divina, which right. Salt and Light Television airs. So exactly. So he's, he'll, he talks about Lexio Divina in this episode and also the importance of Scripture. Okay, so that's a new witness uh, tomorrow, Sunday, June 12th, uh, and a repeat on Thursday the 16th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And... We have a new Lexio Divina oh, episode. With Archbishop Thomas That's right. Collins. Tomorrow after The Witness. Okay, perfect. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. And then a repeat Wednesday, June 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Okay, and so... In, in this episode, Archbishop Collins uh, finishes off right. his reflections on the letter of James. Okay, good. So if you love Lexio Divina and you love listening to Archbishop Collins and you want to find out kind of what that's all about, Tune in for the Witness episode and then stay. It's a festival of Lexio it's Divina. It's a festival of Lexio Divina with Archbishop Thomas Collins. Uh, Sunday and then the repeat. Oh, no, the repeat of Lexio is on Wednesday. That's right. Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. With Wednesday, 8, at 8 p.m. And okay. 9 Pacific. And then we are also airing our documentary Road of Hope on Thursday, yes. June 16th at 8.30. documentary. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, yeah, 9.30 Pacific. And so you know about this. Yeah, this is on the life uh, of Cardinal Van Thuan of Vietnam, who was a, a political prisoner um, under the communist regime in Vietnam for, I don't know, he was, he was in solitary confinement years. for 13 years. No, or 13 years, and then I think nine, nine of it was of, in yeah. solitary it's a, confinement. It's, a, it's yeah. an amazing story, a great documentary. So again, that's going to air on Thursday. Thursday, June 16th, 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. So that's, a, uh, that's my, I should start doing uh, Pedro Recommends. Yeah. That's my pick of the week. Road of Hope uh, on Thursday night at 8.30 p.m., just after the repeat of Witness on Thursday, June 16th. So tune in. Thank you very much, Lawrence Fluco, our uh, programming assistant. Remember that if you're outside our broadcasting area, you can still watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. Coming up in our second half hour, religious daycares in Quebec have a choice. Drop religion or lose your funding. And... A chat with our featured band, City of Snow. So don't go anywhere. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio. Religion is now banned in Quebec's government funded daycares. Now, this would not be a problem, except that most daycares in Quebec are publicly funded. Daycares that are run by religious congregations, for example, receive public funding. This means that about 120,000 children can attend daycare for only $7 a day. Of course, private-run daycares can offer religious instruction, but those would be more expensive. Now, it's a little complicated, but to explain a bit further... We are now joined by Sister Francine Gilmet. She is the local superior uh, of her house. Uh, she's a Salesian sister of Don Bosco in Montreal. Her congregation runs two daycare centers in Montreal. Sister Francine, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hi, Pedro. So can you, uh, without making it more complicated, can you, explain, <laughs> uh, uh, can you explain the situation? What was the state of daycare in Quebec before June 1st? Well, before June 1st, all publicly subsidized daycare 
had a choice of having a religious identity or not. Okay. And probably most didn't, but there's about 120 daycares that have a clearly religious identity and, and promote religious values within their daycare. And so they were free to express, uh-huh. teach, um, use images, uh, and, and open up the education to, uh, to their specific religion or religions, depending on the identity of that particular daycare. Okay, so this is not obviously something that only affects Christian or Catholic, so there might be a Jewish daycare or a Muslim daycare. Exactly, and, exactly. And, and in the case, for example, of the daycares, the, the daycare that's affiliated with your house, for example... Yes. Um, it's it the it's run by the sisters. The sisters. That's right. The sisters are the the daycare workers. Are sisters? Yes. Oh, we have a big staff, so it's uh, sisters and lay people. But the direction is a Salesian sister. You're correct. Okay. So, so now after June first, with this new legislation, what is the situation now? Well, for us, nothing has changed uh-huh. because. Uh, we have joined um, a coalition in, in all of Quebec that is challenging the government on this particular directive. Okay. Yes. So, okay, so, and had you not joined that coalition, the, would it mean that then you would not ha- be able to have religious sisters working in the Yeah, country? if you follow the directive uh, as it is, then we can no longer say a blessing before a meal. Ah. We can no longer have a little play about Jesus and a miracle. Hmm. We cannot make the sign of the cross. We can have a Christmas tree, but we cannot put an angel on top of the Christmas tree because that is religious. But you cannot sing Christmas, Christmas songs Saturday night, uh, for example. Of course not. And if you have a Christmas pageant at Christmas, like we usually do, then it should have only secular content so Santa and Claus, not, but not Jesus. be religious in any way. Like, forget about Silent Night, Holy Night. But even though the people who have their children in your daycare are people who, who, are, who want the Salesian sisters, like they're picking your daycare because it's a, clearly a Catholic daycare run by sisters. Yeah. And even if we didn't have sisters directing the daycare, the people here, the parents, want a Catholic education for their children as young as two years old, three years old. Okay. They, yeah. So, so, so people put their children in your daycare because they want a Catholic education. Uh-huh. And now the government is telling you that you, you can have that Catholic education, but not if you want the public funding. Exactly. So that's the, that's the situation. And they are putting 35 extra inspectors supervisors okay check on that okay because that was going to be my next question how oh, yeah? are they going to police okay. it so so there's like the, the 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 religious police exactly exactly and there, there was no problem so they're applying a mega solution with 35 supervisors extra they're applying they're applying a solution to a non-existing problem okay so no one complained this was not an issue it's not that someone complained in in a daycare no. that i don't want my children praying the our father nobody and so no we have a few children who are of different faiths uh-huh. and and we accept them they are equal to the others uh-huh. and they are they are not expected to pray the Catholic mm-hmm. way, and mm-hmm. we respect them in mm-hmm. their own 
in their own identity. Right. And we don't refuse anyone on, you know, because of religious identity or affiliation. Right. But uh, you would expect that if, if, let's say, a Muslim family uh, registers their children in the Salesian daycare, yes. they're okay with the Salesian identity. Exactly. Presumably. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, so this daycare ha has existed for 25 years. Wow. And we have shaped its identity, and the parents are very, very satisfied with the quality of education, which for Salesians, it's body, heart, soul, it's the whole child, including his spiritual dimension. Yes, and Salesians are well known for education and for working with young people. That's um, right. Um, so you mentioned earlier this coalition that you've joined, um, right. which somehow at least is keeping you out of out of uh, the legislation for now um what is that the only choice that you have or what, what so what's happening now in terms of i guess the legal situation well um right now it is the main choice that uh where people are putting their energies people who think like us are putting their energies there they are joining quebecers for equal rights to subsidize daycare um, they have announced, that particular group has announced last May 31st that um, they were, um, I don't know the exact term in English, but they were having an injunction uh -huh, yes. for the government. Yes, injunction. So, right. So that would stop the application of the directive because then the issues behind this directive is, are being brought to court. So right. people are asked to join this um coalition and uh, they can they can visit a website which uh, has only a french name it's jupa avec mon okay and um, join that coalition or support it so that um, the, the rights of parents can be better heard and respected right so you're after basically all the daycare is an extension of the family it is so basically you're challenging this law in court yes so until it goes to what the provincial or Supreme Court, or how does it work? Yes, it goes yes. to the Supreme to Court the Supreme of Court? Quebec first. Right. <laughs> we shall see after yes. if it and goes then, further. And then it has to go further. Now, let me ask you this. What would be wrong with you saying, oh, you know what? Fine. We don't need public funding. We'll do our own thing. Could, um, you, could you do that? We could do that. We could become private. And I think for a while we could... Um, we could still maintain religious identity. It would be a major management, administrative change. Uh -huh. uh, parents can be reimbursed for daycare fees that they would pay in full, but then government refund. Um, but this is not about money. <laughs> uh -huh. This is about the rights of parents, and this is about, for me, it's about freedom of speech. I mean, to tell the story of Noah and not being, and, and, and take away the line, and God said to Noah. Right. I mean, it's just a major uh, aberration of my, my personal freedom. So this is not about money, although there are possible things that can be done. And I'm not sure that one of these days the refunding given to the parents for private daycares will continue. And I'm hearing rumors that the government now wants to take away funding from the private 
Catholic schools right. um, yeah. in Quebec. Yes. So we are on very shaky grounds here. Well, in Quebec, the, the, the government in Quebec for, the, for, for at least for, what, the last couple of decades is not very well known yeah. for their support of, of religion. Um, um, it, it makes me think that we, you know, we, we take it for granted in other provinces where we have publicly funded, like in Ontario, there's a publicly funded Catholic school system, yeah. and we might not always have it. Exactly. Um, so we shouldn't take it for granted. No, we should not take it for, we should value it, nurture it, and be very proactive about, you know, developing its identity and its, uh, yeah, yeah, its image and, and, and its quality as well. And, and, and I guess for people in Quebec, it's great that for so long the government has been funding daycare because that's not the case everywhere well, else. Well, they have funded for 11 years. Okay. We existed 13 years before that. Yes. And we had financed our own stuff. Yes. So, yeah. So yeah. if you had to, you could do it. You could do it that way again. But but as you say, it's not it's not about that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Francine, we we have been watching this since the announcement was made, since the the the, the legislation was passed in December. So yeah. it's very. Uh, we're continue watching the developments, and uh, we thank you for your insight and uh, keep doing the good Salesian work that you're doing in your daycare. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pedro. You're very welcome. Sister, okay, Francine, bye-bye. Sister Francine Gilmet, she's a Salesian sister of Don Bosco. Her congregation runs two daycare centers in Montreal. She spoke to us from her home in Montreal, Quebec. Here now is our featured band of the week, City of Snow, with their song, The Collector. Another 
book as the rising directions are sinking in. Understand that's what's needed. So remember the fireplaces. Every part of me that wants to be with you. That was City of Snow with The Collector from their album True Reason. If you like indie rock or even experimental music or, let's say, indie rock that incorporates experimental elements, you would enjoy the music of City of Snow. This band, comprised of five talented young men, came out of a hunger, a desire, and a passion to make music and give it all back to God and the general public. And that's not what most young musicians are thinking about. With their first album, True Reason, under their belt, it was just released in April, they are well on their way to success. And joining me now is uh, the drummer of the group, Andrew Hall. Andrew, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Uh, thanks, Pedro. Um, so, uh, City of Snow, where does the title come from? Well, our name comes from uh, the color white, which we, we feel represents innocence. Okay. And when we were trying to decide on a name for this band, um, we really were thinking, you know, we want something that represents our faith and really supports the positive message we're trying to give. And what was really on our hearts and one of our passions was trying to bring positive music to the city of Hamilton or whatever city we might end up playing. So, okay. uh, City of Snow, so we want to bring innocence to the music community. Okay, and when you when you say faith, so all all your group members are Christian. Yes. So yep. you 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 classify yourselves as a Christian band. Uh, yes, we do. We we really try to put our faith into our music. So. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about this this, and this is right off your you know your your uh, your MySpace page that, that you that you long to give it all back to God. Just an interesting interesting thing to put right right out there. Um, where where does that desire come from? Was it always like that, or did, did that like did the group come together with this idea like like let's do Christian music and give it back to God? That what that was it? Uh, yes, um, when we started, we we really felt that we wanted to worship God through this music, and I think the only real question was you know how far did we want to take that? Like did we want to put that ourselves in that Christian genre? Uh huh. So yeah, we kind of. Sometimes that scares people off, unfortunately. Yeah, it does, yeah. So we decided, you know what, we're just going to say we're rock experimental indie and we're Christians that are doing this and we're doing it for God. So we are a Christian band playing rock experimental indie music, I guess you could say. Right. Now, you are Catholic and so Uh, is your your bass player. Oh, yes, uh, myself and my bass player, Bryce. Bryce. So... Um, and, and this might seem like a silly question, so how did you end up playing together, all of you? Okay, I mean, it's well, not like you were playing in church or anything. Oh, well, actually, my bass player, Bryce, he 
plays on the worship team at his church, I think. Yeah. Um, he was doing that when he first joined the band. And well, how we ended up getting together was um, me and Bryce went to high school together. Right. And I was a few grades ahead of him, ahead of Bryce, so I graduated, and we weren't really good friends back then, so I didn't see him for a few more years. Yeah. And, and when we were trying to start this band, um, me and Scotty, and yeah, myself and Scotty. So Scotty's your uh, a singer and guitar player. But yeah, Scotty does a little bit of backup vocals, and okay. he's also our guitar player. Right. But I should mention too that there was. I guess I should say, say a different group um, before okay. uh, members came in. Okay, uh, okay. So uh, just to make a long story short, uh, two members parted ways with us. Yeah. And so me, Scotty, and Bryce were left over. And so me and Bryce met, uh, met at high school, like I said, and me and Scotty actually met in an interesting way. We met on YouTube. <laughs> and I've never met anyone off there before, but... yeah. It turned out he lived like 10 minutes from my house, so right. I said, we're trying to start this band, so he came in, and interesting, yeah, and then me and Austin and Dan, actually, we all went to Redeemer University College. Ah, uh, okay. So that's how I met Austin and Dan, and that's how we formed. Okay, I see. Um, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in right now, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio, we're speaking with... Um, Andrew Hall, he's a drummer of our featured band of the, of the week, City of Snows. Now tell me about, about this album. So True Reason, it's your first album. It's, uh, there are six songs on the album. Um, did it, uh, they're all original songs? You guys collaborate on the songs, or how does the songwriting work? Well, uh, yes, they're all original songs, and I usually write most of the lyrics myself. Okay. And uh, for this album, I wrote... Uh, the lyrics for five of the songs. Yeah. And Austin, our singer, wrote the song Red Brick Road. Yeah, which we heard at the beginning of the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically, I'll write lyrics and I'll show the band and they'll say, like, if you want to add anything or take away anything, just let me know. And we, yeah. we kind of, cr- we all collaborate on that. And I think for our next album, we're definitely going to do more, uh, maybe co-writing for sure. Yeah, okay. So, sorry, just to go back, because I'm interested in the song. So you write the lyrics as as a poem kind of thing? Um, or do you so have an idea of sort of the melody, or, or how does that work? Well, I don't really want to necessarily say a poem, although I am I really am into poetry, yeah. and I enjoy it. So I guess I'm influenced by poetry, so when I write lyrics, I try to make them poetic and some would even say kind of wordy. Yeah. Most people would write most of their songs. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I pretty much... I'm sorry, what was the original question? Well, then? I just want to know, so, so how does it go from, from uh, you writing words on a page and someone, you know, putting music together? Do you guys just kind of start jamming together and see how it fits? Or does someone say, hey, how about this melody? Or Yeah, well, yeah, like, usually I'll just show them the lyrics and I'll say, if I have a vocal melody in mind, even though I'm not the singer, I'll say, you know, here, Austin, this is how I'd sing it, and I know you can do a way better job, so yeah. you take it. Or usually, or someone like Dan or Scotty might say, hey, I got a guitar riff, let's see if these lyrics work with that, right. or I got a beat. And sometimes it might work the opposite way, like uh, once in a while, someone will have a guitar riff, and I'll say, oh, that sounds sweet, I'm going to write lyrics. Okay, I that. see. So a lot of the times, especially on this album, since we were just getting started, the lyrics were written before any music was created. Right, okay. 
I think now that we've matured uh, a lot as a band, I think I might write start I might start writing lyrics more for music once the music is created. Right. We're just ex- and we're we're an experimental band, so we're going to try writing in every possible way. Right. So yeah, that's that's going to be my other question. So when you say that, that there's this experimental element, it, 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 what does that mean? Um, you know what? It's it's kind of hard to explain. We're not really sure. I mean, when we <laughs> When we went to the recording studio uh, to record our EP, True Reason, yeah. we we didn't really know what we were. We, we thought, well, we kind of sound like a rock band, or we sound, people said, you sound like this band or that band. Right. But the guy at the studio who was recording us said, you know, I, I guess I'd call you guys more rock, experimental, indie. So yeah. coming from someone who's actually recorded tons of bands, right. we kind of just adopted that. Right. And what we feel about experimental is i think that means that we're not afraid to try different or weird things absolutely and i think dan our guitar player sometimes he'll say that he tries weird uh, or unorthodox chords yeah and i think especially since we have a synth in our band that Uh creates yeah a weird sound yeah, no, and you can hear that in in in, in some of the songs. Um, how uh, so? So there's the, the the recording and the songwriting part of it. Is there an element of what you do in terms of offering uh, worship session, worship uh, services, or like animating youth groups or that kind of thing? Like, do you go to to parishes or churches to uh, to do you know what I mean? To animate oh, youth groups or, or like in terms of ministry? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like. We haven't done much of that. Um, we've always we've been open to those opportunities. Yeah. And uh, just recently, like I think about two, three weeks ago, we had the opportunity to play um, Think Fast for a high school, right? Uh, locally yeah. in Hamilton yeah. at uh, St. Mary's. Yeah. And that was pretty much our first time officially playing to a high school. So that is something that you'd like to do again. Uh, yeah, for sure. And we've even talked to. Um, Unfortunately, one time it, it didn't work out. We were, we were trying to play with, with uh, a high school right. and just with our work schedules. And then uh, we also played on the weekend. We played an event for uh, another school. Yeah. So twice we've played events that kind of are really reaching out to youth. But no matter if we're just through our recordings or if we're playing a club, we're trying to reach everybody. Right. Okay. Well, then I guess then that's a good uh, note to end on, that if anyone listening out there, if you like the sound, you're intrigued by City of Snows, you're in the, I was going to say Hamilton area, but I suppose you could be anywhere. Um, if you want to bring them over, check them out, because I'm sure that you'd like to go wherever you get invited to. Um, they have a page on Facebook and on MySpace, so just look them up, City of Snows. Um, Andrew Hall is the drummer. He's been talking to us from his home in uh, Hamilton. Uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Pedro. So again, that was uh, Andrew Hall from City of Snow. Check him out on Facebook or MySpace. There's also a link off our page, so you can find them quickly. Here now they are with their song, The Heart I Know You Have. This is your story as well as mine. Temptation that seems as clear as the brightest day, and sometimes. 
dark as the darkest night So please draw near to me So I can draw near to you This is dependent on the way you Till the last breath is gone Cause everyone's gripping The most delicate things Producing a form of unity That gives support to our eternal strengthening We're listening to City of Snow With the heart I know you have And that will take us to the end of our program this week. If you missed any portion of this program, remember that you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can also check out for the links to our artists or guests all at that same website. To learn more about what we do here at Salt and Light, go to saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closer, look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for considering us when you make your charitable contributions. We cannot do this work without your support and your prayers. So thank you and God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Salt and Light.